Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the Net Worth Podcast, where we talk all things WTA and handicap the WTA. I'm Noops, and joining me as always from what I assume is sunny, beautiful Sacramento is uh, Spread. How's it going, Spread? Did you have a nice couple weeks off? Um, was there actually any, even any tennis going on this week? I didn't look. Oh, we had Fed Cup, but I didn't cap it. I, I watched some matches, but I didn't cap it. I took a, took a week off, but I'm ready for Doha. The Fed Cup? That sounds really interesting. Jorge, do you know anything about the, this this Fed Cup? <laughs> yeah, I, I got up really early a few mornings to watch uh, Team Canada play, and uh, they dominated this week, so I was pretty happy about that. But I don't bet it, no. Team Canada. Wow. So it's like uh, they get together with teams by country? That's very interesting. I'm surprised <laughs> we weren't more into that. Well, maybe next year, folks, but... Um, I think for those of you that are big tennis fans know that it's unfortunately not as big of an event as maybe we'd like it to be. But um, we decided to give ourselves a little time off to uh, rest and and relax and try not to go insane without too much tennis betting. But let's dig into the uh, last two tournaments that we had. The first one was in Wawin. Diane Estremska, a really impressive week, uh, knocks out, unfortunately, our outright pick, Alia Tomjanovic, at 10-1. to What did you think of Wawin's spread? Did you get to watch a lot of those matches? Yeah, I watched a lot of Wall Win. It was a it was a pretty fun tournament. Um, I'm actually pulling up the results right now. Uh, let Jorge jump in while I pull the results up real quick. Yeah, sure. What did you see last week in Wall Win, Jorge? Anything that got you real excited? Yeah, I mean, being able to uh, to to take that Tomjanovic uh, future into the final, and uh, and I had a, a follower message saying, "Hey, at least I got uh, the each way bet." So. Um, for those that are don't know, you get you you can get paid out uh, if she loses in the final as well, uh, kind of reduced odds um, by a lot of these British bookies within each way. So, you know, nice to hear some of the followers from uh, from overseas on those offshores getting some uh, some nice uh, payout there. Yeah, it was. I had a, a couple people message me. I think I may have even tweeted out either from my account or maybe even from the podcast account that it was a good chance to hedge for a couple units and. Um, that ended up being a good idea. It was a really incredible final. Um, 6-2, 6 But in that third set, um, I believe just after finished servicing, I think it was 5-2, Tomjanovic, um, there was an MTO by Diana Estremska that really threw Algin into a real funk. I don't know if either of you guys were watching at that point. Um, you know, I'm always one not to really question the validity of somebody taking an MTO. You know, there's definitely strategic versus non-strategic ones, I'm sure. But I don't know. I kind of have to believe that anyone that's asking for somebody is in some sort of physical or, or mental distress. Um, did either of you guys get a chance to watch that or um, get, get as upset as Alja did about that? I did not. No, I missed uh, any MTO surface there. Yeah, I did. <clears throat> so I got the draw pulled up. My memory's refreshed. And the funny thing is once it came up, the first thing I thought was MTO. That's, I mean, really that's what I took away from this tournament. And I thought that was, it was pretty controversial. Um, it seemed to me uh, obviously biased because we given out Tom Jonovich on the pod. So I wanted to hit an outright, but um you know, seemed to me it was more strategic than uh, necessary, but it's uh, it's kind of like a nature of the beast because there's really no way to um, to go ahead and verify these things. So we have to take the players at their word. So that'll be something for Tom Jonovich to work on because even though I thought it was inappropriate for Yastrzemska and I thought it was a strategic timeout, um, Tom Jonovich has to know that these are tactics that will be employed and uh, hopefully she can learn from it and and react a little better because you're right um she didn't handle it very well at all 
Yeah, really, for this tournament, I think the big takeaway is, you know, maybe a, a quick minute here to discuss seriously Diane Yastremska. Um, a really impressive start to her, her young career here. Another win for her. I think she had two or maybe three wins last year. You know, what do you think of her, Jorge? Is she someone really on the rise that, that could be a top player in the WTA someday? Yeah, uh, she's definitely one to watch. I didn't think she was, you know, quite as strong as we saw in Wawin. I mean, she won a late season tournament last year at the international level, wasn't the strongest field, so I was kind of, you know, a little apprehensive. But, I mean, she's really blown the doors uh, wide open in 2019 and uh, kind of announced herself in, where what, February 10th here we're recording this. So, uh, you know, pretty impressive stuff uh, from Diana Stremska. I think, you know, the serve is there, the movement's there, the the shot making. I remember one of the uh, the shots she made against Muguruza. I mean, even, you know, she stretched out, you know, ended up with her ponytail flipping over her head. And then by the time she looked up and saw that it was a winner that she hit, uh, you know, even she started laughing. It's it's quite something, the, the, the tear she's on. And we'll have to watch for uh, for her return. She played Fed Cup this weekend, I believe, with Ukraine. Um, and I don't uh, I don't know when we're, uh, we plan to see her back, but it'll, uh, it'll be fun. How about you, Sprit? Are you impressed by the young Ukrainian? Yes, and the, and the Muguruza match was the one that I was going to point to as well. Um, so that one get into a tie break in the first set. And, um, okay, that's fine, you know, close tie break. But usually it's the other way around. Usually it's the experienced player that pulls the tie break out and then just rolls in the second set. Um, and this is the opposite. Yastrempska pulled it out. And I said, okay, well, Muguruza knows what she's doing. But then for Yastrempska to win the second set, 6-1, I was really impressed. And um, she's got a lot of power. She really hits. The, she really hits the ball um, with authority. She's definitely um, looking to construct the points and get the winners. Um, so she's a fun style of, of play to watch. And if she can stay consistent, um, you know, she can obviously make a lot of noise. So it'll be interesting to see going forward. Is, it, is this just kind of like? peak performance and will she regress to the mean or is this a development in her game and is she still here to stay so I definitely think we need to look out for her and um, you know what it might have been smart for her to take this week off you know she's coming off a big win she did a little Fed Cup uh, uh, obligations and now she'll be ready for the uh, the big one in Dubai we'll be sure to look out for her for the rest of the year a really exciting player Let's dive into the other tournament, St. Petersburg, where, much to my delight, I didn't bet against Kiki Burtons too much that week because she won, made it all the way through, and beat Donna Vekic in um, what was, I thought, a very interesting final. Um, what did you think of St. Petersburg, Jorge? Any big takeaways for you? Yeah, I I was kind of surprised, Maria, with Drew. I mean, we know that, I mean, spread called it. You know, but she doesn't trust her yet for a full week, but I thought with... Uh, with how things were going um, and, and how she looked at the Australian Open and the kind of, you know, sizable margins her wins uh, were by, like margins of victory were huge. I thought maybe she was back, but unfortunately couldn't even get to the Kasatkina uh, match, had to withdraw before it happened. So a little disappointed. I thought St. Petersburg was a great week. Um, Kiki Barrett's, my gosh, did she look strong uh, throughout the week. And uh, I made a little money off her at the end there, I believe, uh, in the final. So I'll, I'll, I'll gladly take that. How about you, Spread? What did you think? Uh, Sharapova, real quick. I've, I, you know, we've discussed it slightly, but I've been dealing with shoulder injuries too. And they can be rough. You can feel like you're almost there. And then and the regression is, uh, is really tough to bear because 
um, can be very fickle. So I think that she's really hurt for her to pull out of St. Petersburg. I think that even at 75%, she would have tried to play. Um, so I think that's something to keep in mind going forward. <clears throat> Although uh, Kiki Burton's won, I thought uh, another young power player, you know, we just spoke of Yastrzemska, Donna Vecha's performance was fantastic. Um, you know, good win over Kvitova. I mean, we can say fatigue this, fatigue that, but still that's a great win to win 6-4, um, And then she went to the final and she acquitted herself well. Um, you know, Kiki won the, the big points at the end there, you know, kind of pulled ahead in the first tie break and then, you know, got the early break or whatever to uh, to take care of the second set. But I was really impressed by Vestich and I almost feel the same way I feel about yesterday. Is here's a young power player. She likes to hit the ball. She likes to hit the winner. She's not going to just sit there and uh, let you dictate the point. And uh, another one, if she can continue this form, she can have a great year. Totally agree. I had her, had her name circled. She had a really impressive week. Um, not too much else there. You know, my favorite, Arena Sabalanka, had a nice couple wins. And then, of course, lost to Kiki Burton's just because that's how my life works. Um, Pavel Yuchenkova had, a, had two pretty nice wins. Daria Kasatkina somehow continues to advance in tournaments without actually playing. Um, a first-round bye for her, the walkover against Sharapova, and then lost to Vera Zanareva. So hopefully maybe the week at the Fed Cup with her fellow countrywomen is good for Kasatkina. And we'll get a chance to see her play some tennis in, in the near future. But... Unless you guys have anything else for St. Petersburg, I think we can dive into Doha this week. You yeah, ready? let's get going. Did it, no, no, no. Was it asked? Did anyone watch Pavs Burton's? I think I saw a little bit of it. I don't have. Two, I was two. really surprised that Pavs just fell apart there in that third set. I, I mean, it, it was you know, the first two sets weren't close, but you know, okay, we're going to the third, and then for her to get bageled, I was just really surprised. I was just wondering if you guys had any takeaways from that or. If you had missed it or the more i think about it she looked like she had been a little fatigued at that point i don't know if she played a little too long at, at the australian open it's i don't know what her break was like between that but you're right spread it she just kind of packed it in it was really odd yeah and she she was she was hunched yeah. over on a lot of those uh those points against uh, kiki for pavs um i wouldn't say she packed up i think she was there were still some great points in that third set it was it was just a matter of Kiki had so much more in the tank that after three or four great shots apiece, you know, that kind of fourth shot wasn't there for her or she was on the run too much and Kiki just had two, like, you know, you can track down two or three balls, but you really got to have gas in the tank to be able to to play like a Halep or Wozniacki for five or six shots and she just couldn't do it in that third set. So you guys chalking that up to fatigue and we don't really take much of that 100%, forward? 100%, yeah. Yeah, totally agree cool, there. Thanks. All right. So let's dive into Doha, a really fun tournament this week, a ton, a ton of big names. Now, normally when we talk about the outrights, we'll look at the top half and the bottom half. I think to save our, ourselves a little bit of time, we've got a ton of great first-round matchups we'll talk about. Let's just take a look at outrights in general. Uh, now, Jorge, I know there was one that really stuck out to you that you and I kind of linked up on before we got started. What do you like this week? Yeah, I'll have, I'll have a couple outrights, actually. Um, the first is going to be winning quarter number three. And we'll get to our agreement in a second. I just think that it segues nicely. You have um, Sevastova Gerges, Streetseva, Al Nabhani, Contivate, a qualifier, and Kerber. And I love this quarter to come out as the winner. You've got multiple players rested from from uh, not playing Fed Cup here, practicing on the surface. Uh, I really think that we we looked at previous year's results with with players like even a Monica Puig semifinaling here a few years back. Uh, you know, last year's uh, final two big power players, 
and I think that we can really deduce that it plays well to big hitters. So, you know, Julia Gerges plays to that. Kerber can redirect pace with anyone that plays there. Uh, Contivate has a big game and has really shown some strides in 2019 with better fitness. She's also rested. All three of those players uh, rested from Fed Cup. That's another advantage. So I really like that. Um, the The two main outrights I wanted to touch on were Gerges and uh, Kiki Bertens, though. Uh, Kiki's down in the fourth quarter. I love players with big games who have historically fared well here. I love the fact they're both rested and accustomed to the surface. And I love the fact that they can they can play with anyone on tour and beat anyone on any given day. Um, so those are really the, 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 two, uh, the two outrights I would look at. Three, I guess. Bertens, uh, Gerges, and the, the winner to come from the third quarter. That's a really interesting bet. So you, you can grab sort of each quarter and then you have everybody that's in there. Um, now, where do you have access to that? I know that north of the border, you have some more options than, than poor spread nine. That's a bet three six five um, uh, option. The first quarter is the favorite at plus two twenty five. Second quarter plus three fifty. Third quarter plus two fifty. Fourth quarter plus two fifty. Um, I, th- I honestly think that with the players in that area, um, the fact that three of them are rested in that quarter, and I think three could be fairly good. My favorite, obviously, being a. Uh, Julia Gerges, I think that even plus 250 is value down there with so many coming from a weekend full of play. I believe Romania and the Czechs and Romanians, so Sinyakova, Halep, Buzarnescu, Pliskova, all these players are still playing as we record this um, in their the fifth tie doubles match. Um, it's only 3-2 in the first set at Fed Cup right now in Ostrava, Czech Republic. Uh, and you, I think you have to jaunt down to Prague to even get a flight to Doha, so you know, those first rounds might be Tuesday, Wednesday, but I think all of them are, are on upset alert. Um, well, at least in your core, you know, Kova playing uh, Mertens and whatnot. The other two have a bye, thankfully. But I really do think that uh, the rest and the being more accustomed to these courts is going to help those those three players in particular. That's a really interesting bet. How about you, Spray? What do, what do you see there? Um, you like Gorgeous? You like Kiki Burtons? What are you thinking? All right. Well, I noticed that on uh, – I just checked Dimes and Bovada real quick, but I didn't see any American outright yet, so I'm going ahead and use the one that Jorge sent us from 365. But unfortunately, I don't have access to it. Um, Gorgas, I do like the idea. The thing that worries me about her is her form hasn't been spectacular lately. She, um, To me, she was kind of peaking right in the summer of – for at least recently was uh, last summer. I mean, she looked fantastic. And, um, you know, I haven't really seen that from her since. So I'm a little worried, but at 17 to 1, it's a pretty good price. Um, you know, we discussed Georgia at 41. If she, she gets past her first round, um, she can be tough. But the thing that worries me about her is that she, I haven't seen her put together fantastic match after fantastic match. I don't know if she can do it five times in a row to win the title. And the other thing is, she, doesn't seem to have like the fighting spirit of some of the other players where sometimes if she gets down it seems like she packs it in a little easier um i think an interesting one is at least mertens at 34 to 1 um is she uh, although the surface might not suit her she definitely has the game and if she can get by uh pliskova early she has an okay route so none of these really stand out i think this is a very wide open tournament um 
So I don't think any of these are like the best, you know, you know, gung ho futures. I think that, that, you know, your best bet is just choose a couple that you like and then just go for it because you're getting such great odds that they're all going to be hedgeable if your player gets to the semis. Um, so I would choose Elise Mertens. I think this be uh, it might be a nice opportunity for her to uh, to showcase. Yeah, before before Noops jumps back in, I was I was gonna also say with Fed Cup being the week before, uh, varying travel distances, obviously Eastern Europe versus Western Europe are different flight times. If you're going to really try and and put a lot into this, you've got to you've got to factor a lot of things in here. It's gonna be a tough outright week. Um, I came into this thinking I'm, I'm going to go slow on them, and I will. I'm going to place very small stakes. That's what I suggest, too, is on top of what Spread said, in finding your, your player that you like and hoping they, they, they can get to the quarters or semis, I'd also reduce your stake from your average outright. If your average outright is half a unit, if it's a quarter of a unit, I'd, I'd chop it in half. Um, this is a tough week to handicap before all gets going. We don't know how many players might actually completely withdraw. Um, altogether, which could change the odds we're talking about today. I mean, if if Halep says forget it, um, the appearance fee money isn't big enough. And I was in in Ostrava, the Czech Republic, until you know eight o'clock at night on Sunday. I'm not playing. You know, we don't know, and that could completely change the outright markets too. So very very cautious kind of week. You know, one of the interesting strategies that, that I've been thinking about during our off time last week was instead of taking outrights, maybe just doing some open parlays and, and trying to figure out how long some of these women are, are going to last in this tournament. So, for example, let's say Elise Mertens, instead of taking her as an outright, actually open up a, a three-team parlay, put her first-round money line with uh, Siniakova in there. She's a, a favorite, and we'll talk about that match more in depth, but I think she advances there. Then when she gets to Pliskova, toss that money line in as well. And then when she gets to Kiki Burton's, probably toss that one in too. I'm not quite sure what the odds are going to look like, but it should be a really attractive bet um, from just being a pretty big underdog. And she only has to really win three matchups. When, when I look at her pathway, you know, if, if Mertens really is going to win the title, what's going to happen here is she'll beat Siniakova in the first round. She'll beat a tired Pliskova um, even after the bye in the second round, and then a tired Burton's in the third round. And her real trouble, from my perspective, is getting past Kerr are gorgeous there in the semifinals. If you take a look again at doing maybe that open parlay, you've already actually cashed out and won at that point as opposed to having an outright to think about from a hedging perspective. What do you guys think of maybe something like that? I think that's a good idea. I hadn't really considered that before I had done it. Um, you know, certain times when I wanted to do the outright and I thought the rolling parlay would give me more, but uh, just to basically you know hedge out yeah you can just stop whatever you think it's uh <laughs> whatever you think you're in trouble or you know because i i like those just because i'm also a matchup based player um and i know spread is too and i think if if you're more numbers oriented you can kind of analyze numbers before a tournament and map her her field out and see where things might pro, you know go astray map out what lines might be map out where you hedge how much you need to hedge, you know, kind of your equity. If you're a guy who likes matchups too, it, it's all dependent on each round by round. I think that rolling parlay gives you a lot of options. Um, you can stop when you want. You don't need to spend to hedge. And, uh, you know, in the end, you if you like every matchup and you keep it going, you might end up at the same odds anyway. So I think it's a much lower risk proposition um, than the outright bets. Unless, of course, you're you're taking someone in you know the eighty or ninety or hundred to one region, um, because in this tournament, you know even Camilla Georgie, if one or two upsets happen or withdrawals happen, her her odds are gonna 
are going to fall so drastically that she may not even get close to the 40 to 1 kind of uh, number that spread was talking about um, in in latter rounds. So you, that's the only danger of them is the outright you're kind of you're paying up front, but you're getting better odds in case two upsets happen in your quarter and then you know you're a minus 200 favorite for for two or three of your your five matches that you need to win kills the rolling parlay i think that's the other the flip side yeah that's interesting so i just out of curiosity i'm going to see what the three legs here would be if i put them together so i believe she's minus 60 here in her first round matchup what would you guys make um mertens against plushkova in the second round there i think she'd be i mean for me, what would I make her? What do I think the books make her? Um, yeah, that's okay. Right, maybe that's a better way to ask. I it. think I, I think the books will have her probably like plus one sixty, plus one seventy. I think it'll be a fairly sizable uh, margin. That's what I was thinking, like plus one seventy. I had pl- plus one eighty actually in there. What do you think, spread? Yeah, I was thinking first thing that came to mind was plus two hundred. All right, so let's split the difference. We'll go plus one eighty. Um, and then what do you guys think about Burton's pretty similar number at plus 180 or, or two, no it'll be tighter uh, bigger of a dog no I, I think it'll be tighter oh, you think it would be yeah. tighter actually so you think maybe it'd be like plus 150 uh, yeah something like plus 150 plus 160 I think uh, I think she she as a even as a good returner I think that first serve of Plushka will bother a lot more than Burton's first serve I think she could rally with Burton's more than Plushka so um, yeah I, I like her a bit more and I think the books would also have her a bit closer that's interesting. Would you, you agree with that spread? Yeah, I think I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I'm going to look it up right now. I think that they have a, a better head-to-head as well. All right. So I think that line will be closer. Let me check it right now. So if I put those three together, minus 160, plus 180, plus 150, you're looking at about a 10-to-1, maybe 11-to-1 parlay. Um, that might be a more interesting option for somebody like her. It's just a strategy I've been thinking about. You know, it's really tough, obviously, to pick somebody to win the entire week. But every time we look at these draws, I see certain spots where it, it lines up really n- nicely for somebody to win a, a couple rounds here. Um, the other one I'm looking at possibly doing that with is maybe a two-piece with Sasnovich, um, who is a favorite in the first round against Suwe Shea, and then gets Caroline Wozniacki in the second round or something like that. But... Um, just an interesting strategy that I'm personally going to try to look at it and maybe do a couple of myself. So for anyone that maybe is a little more hesitant, but I think we do have a couple good outright this week. You know, I, I'm totally on board with Kiki Burton's. You know, she's coming off a tournament win, which I, I think for some reason gives people some hesitation, but she obviously had the week off. Um, I don't know if she played in Fed Cup or not, but if she did, it wasn't obviously a full load that you expect from somebody coming off a title. She has a pretty nice draw there. You know, her first couple matches, she should be able to take Camilla Georgie and then probably Carlos Suarez Navarro there in the second round, and then she's got Mertens or, or Pliskova, so in a really good spot there. So I'm definitely jumping on board yeah, with Kiki and, and just to reinforce, she did not play. Um, it was actually the Dutch played Canada, and they went with Arantxa Roos and Rochelle Hogan camp. So uh, Kiki was actually off, so she's been, I'm assuming, if I were her coach and team, I'd have her there working, practicing on the courts, getting familiar with the courts uh, in Doha. So that's good news if you're if you're back in Kiki as well. Now, it, and a follow up, Mertens is two to one head to head. She well, both her victories were in 2017, and then in Brisbane, they uh, Burton's won, but it was a real close match. So I would imagine that one would be lined pretty closely. Yeah, so that's it's an interesting. Thanks for following up on that. Now, it wouldn't be right if, if we got through this entire conversation, Jorge, without you talking about how Linus Vitalina is going to win the tournament. So lay it out for us. Yeah, we'll have that for Dubai coming up. Uh, no, she she loves Dubai. For some reason, doesn't fare as well in Doha. I wonder if it's because 
this might play more to the uh, the the bigger hitters. There are some years she doesn't play it. A lot of these players pick one or the other. They used to both be um, Premier 5 events. I believe D Dubai last year was reduced to just a Premier because she she defended her title. She's a back-to-back -back champion and was a semifinalist in 2016. So she backs up the title in 2018 and still lost 430 points in the rankings uh, because she she couldn't defend 900. Well, just to jump in on that, they alternate. Oh, oh is that year. what it is? So this year... Yeah, this year Dubai's the thousand and Doha's the four seventy or nine hundred or whatever, and then next year, so it alternates year to year. I think that you guys do that. No, in Canada, Canada we too, alternate right? locations, but they're both uh, always the same oh, okay. system. That makes more sense then. Uh, that learn something new every day. Yeah. Um, but you know, she prefers Dubai. Um, that venue, she's semifinalist winner winner. So I, I think I'd save that for there. She didn't go play Fed Cup this week with Ukraine. She does have a bye. Um, so you're getting a free a free match there on your on your already VR betting on Elena. I don't hate it. I just think that if I'm gonna go for for you know by by my own logic, um, I can't I can't justify it because I, I like the fact that big hitters have fared well here, um, and and I'm getting you know way better pricing at plus 1600 on Bertens and Gerges as opposed to plus 700 on her. Uh, and I think, you know, I don't think she hits hard enough to beat Halep, and I think Halep's a little steadier. And Halep has the buy coming from from this tough tie. So it, it, it's just a, a little bit murky up there for me, and the, the plus 700 price doesn't uh, tickle my fancy at all. So I'm going to pass on uh, on my girl and just wait for Dubai and hope she uh, she goes and cleans up there again. All right. Now, Sprite, I want you to know that this is a safe space. You don't have to answer this question, but how's Helena Ostapenko going to do this week? Uh, she actually might do pretty well. Jorge made a good point when we were doing our prep that she loves the Fed Cup, you know, for whatever reason. Well, actually, I know why. I mean, she's the biggest celebrity in her country, and, you know, I think her patriotism means a lot more to her than, um, than a lot of other players. I mean, she's really... Um, very patriotic for Latvia so I she might be able to uh, she's got an interesting match first round match in Buzernescu they have a little bit of history but traditionally she does well against those type of players that she can hit off the court um, if she's steady um, I think she can beat Buzernescu and I think she'll have problems if she runs in against Svitolina although on, on form she has the game to beat Svitolina because that's you know it just works out well for her the matchup but I just don't think she's in that good form yet but even a first-round win here with how bad she's been doing, um, I think would be a step in the right direction here. And then a loss to Svitolina obviously isn't too, um, you know, too damaging or too much of a step back. I actually think that Svitolina has an okay, pretty pretty good draw here. Um, if you don't have 100% Wozniacki, um, that would get her into the semis pretty easily if Wozniacki is not 100%. If not, that'll be a very interesting... Uh, match assuming that they could both uh, uh, survive so um, I, I think it'll be fun I actually think she might have a chance to win this I don't think I'll be betting it I'll definitely be watching and cheering her on um, but I think Buzernescu for for how tough a lot of these people got for their first round draws I think that was a pretty good first round draw for her. I love the optimism you sound downright sunny 
Well, boy, she looked pretty good uh, in the in the Fed Cup. She was she was having some fun and she was blasting the ball. So this might be the thing that she needs. You know, a lot of times, and I hear former players talk about it too. You know, when you watch on the tennis channels with their little roundtables, they say all it takes. You know, sometimes when you're in these funks, is just one good win. You know, and it kind of turns things around and it gets things going. Um, Recalibrate so that hitting zone. Yeah, you know, get your confidence back. You know, um, you know. Sometimes in gambling, it feels that way too. You know, like you lose three or four in a row, and then you hit one, and then you're like, "Okay, I got this back." You know, even though you're down a little bit for the yeah. Week I went from totally back. insufferable that's, what three weeks ago to back to being normal, partially insufferable, Jorge. Uh, the last couple of weeks, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just a few more outrights to talk about. Some of our listeners um, commented in before the podcast here. Danny Wild um, asked us what we thought about Annette Contivate to, and her chances as an outright. Um, now, Jorge, I know you touched on that quarter a little bit. You like whoever kind of comes out of there to have a good chance. Looking at the odds, Contivate's 25-1. to 1. I know you picked Julia Gorgeous already, but what do you think, Jorge? Are you going to put maybe even a little money there on Annette Contivate at 25-1? to 1? Uh, I'm not, only because I think really my thinking is, look, I, I love the fact that there's – if they were all in different quarters, I would. But it's tough to bet the, the, the winning quarter and Kerber and Gerges and – Contivate, and I do think, even though she's pretty short, I think Kerber again with with a, a buy and rested is going to be a tough out. And if I want one player um, to go against her, I want it to be Gerges. I think I have more hedging opportunity with Gerges, even though the price is shorter. I think the the actual line of that match will present itself to be an easier situation if I do want to hedge with Kerber. Um, and I don't have to see her until the quarterfinals head-to-head. So I, if it wasn't for the draw, I do love that she has a qualifier. I do love that she's there and, and, and rested and having a good year. And the plus 2,500 doesn't hurt. If she was in any other quarter, I'd probably be right there with uh, with Danny. But um, that that's a tough one for me. I think the two here you're looking at are Gerges and Kerber are your real options in this quarter. Yeah, I think if you want to bet Contivate, you'll get some great chances to do it match by match. She's got... Um, just kind of a murderer's row of opponents here once she gets through that first round match against a qualifier. What do you what do you think, Spread? Any anything to add? Yeah, I got a fun little stat for you guys. Did you guys know that Condovite's two and zero against Kerber head to head? Maybe I do want her to oppose uh, Kerber then. Look at that. No, I, <laughs> I mean I, right. one of them was retirement, but. Um, She's another one. I mean, if she's on, she's got the game to beat Kerber. Um, the thing is, and we've talked about it before, is she she can't. She has problems doing it for four to five matches in a row. Um, another thing I'd like to point out is that this is a the qualifying is a lot weaker um, than usual. A yes. lot of times, you really got to watch out for these qualifiers. Looking through the qualifiers, the only one that I really think has really one other one other one other thing on here before uh, before Noobs jumps in. Uh, both those were on clay, and Contivate does like the clay. Kerber, not so much, despite her game style being slower. Um, that that, oh, that does point. factor in uh, Roman, and then there's retirement Stuttgart where she was clearly hampered. So uh, I do I do think, like I said though, if I I think both of them with their hitting can can challenge Kerber. I just I'd rather have that chance to reassess and hedge around later as opposed to the second round. Okay. 
So, you know, possibly a good week for her, but not something that we're totally in love with. Like I said, I think you get some really good opportunities match by match. Now, Spread, another one of our listeners asked about two other women, Anastasia Sevastova, uh, who's at 14-1, to 1, and Caroline Garcia, who's at 40-1. to 1. That coming from our uh, our good listener at Serenk Rack. It's like Serenko, but you take the O and replace Rack. Very interesting. Um, what do you think about either one of them, Spread? Do you like either, either of those numbers? Well, it looks like he'd be uh, opposing his uh, <laughs> namesake there in the first round because Garcia plays Serenko in the first round. Um, I don't... There's not a lot to see for Garcia right now um, that would make me want to back her, uh, even at that huge number. It seems the books have caught on to her form. And, um, you know, we mentioned it, and actually we didn't do it in our roundup, but, you know, we said Garcia was going down to uh, Walwyn to, to, you know, kind of get things together, and she wasn't able to do it there. Um, went to Fed Cup, had a little bit of a uh, uh, kind of reunion, and I know that she had problems with Modenovic they seem to have uh got past that so I don't know how much that would actually really affect things I just thought it was interesting but no I'm not really too interested in, in Garcia Sevastova now is a different story I think she is an intriguing um outright because I think uh normally especially with the way that we think the service plays uh I would want Gorgas over Sevastova there, but off current form, I kind of like Sevastova. Um, the travel would is, is one issue that we'd be worried about, but um, I think that she's got a great matchup there in Sevastova and very, very likely uh, Stritseva the next round, and then she would reach what would be most likely be the uh, winner of Kerber and Kontavite, and she has that crafty game to kind of um, give both of them trouble at that point during the semis. So uh, of the two that he mentioned, I definitely think that uh, Sevastova is definitely worth more than a look. And I think that Garcia um, is fade potential until she tells us uh, not to. It's almost one of those things where, you know, they tell you or, you know, the old gambling adage, you know, you always want to bet on the streak and, or instead of against the streak because the streak can only end once, you know, but it can keep going for a while so until Garcia shows us something different I'm gonna keep betting on the streak that she's really not you take away the name and you just watch her play and you know you don't know who that is you're you're not really too impressed with the way she's playing right now I I think that I'm the complete opposite if one intrigues me obviously I have no interest in (laughs) Sevastova I'm gonna be uh, backing Gurgis there so uh, that doesn't intrigue (laughs) me at all especially at plus 1400 I have no zero incentive to bet her uh, my read on that first match is just the total flip side of our listeners um i do i'm intrigued by garcia though i, I mean uh, coming off fed cup and it's funny because some of these women I, I look at and i see oh halep is still there cheering on her teammates uh, I'd, I'd hope and assume whereas garcia's tie finished hours ago and she was a big part of france winning that tie uh, she played very well this weekend and I do think that, um, you know, we talked about this with Pink, with Ostapenko too. There's a, there's a good chance that this could kind of, you know, the, the, the patriotism and the, and the fans and the, her teammates and just a more positive mental side. The game started clicking again. That could turn things around. And, and she should definitely, um, if she is turned around, beat Serenko. The Hallett match uh, is tough. But the rest of that entire quarter, qualifier, 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 and Barty, who's coming from Asheville, North Carolina, 
uh, through Raleigh and then all the way to <laughs> Europe on a stopover and then has to fly to Doha. I don't hate that. Um, the key there is you got to get through Halep and you're not going to be able to hedge that match. It's second round and the, the line's going to be killer in, in uh, Halep's favor. So um, that's a, that's a you know one where you're just taking a high odds and, and hoping. You're not really looking uh, to hedge unless, of course, she does get by Halep and then you're gold. Um, but considering there's three qualifiers out of seven players in that quarter because Halep has the bye, that's that's not the worst look if if she stays in Fed Cup form. If. If she looks like she has to start the year, not a chance. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I, I think we'll talk a little bit, bit more about her first-round matchup and her chances, but you can't love the draw with Halep on top looking pretty solid last week. So, um I think that just about wraps up our outrights. And thanks, guys, for asking in some of your questions. If you don't already, please follow us on Twitter, at NetWorthPod, and reach out to us. You know, Tweet at us, send us a DM. Um, happy to answer any of your questions and even address some of this stuff on the pod. So let's dive into some of the first-round matchups. And I, I think that we're going to start with a real humdinger, the one that everyone has already got marked on their calendars. Uh, Barbara Zalavova Stritseva is going to play Fatma Al-Nabhani in the first round. And... Um, you may have giggled, and I think we just heard spread there try to hold one back. But what's really interesting <laughs> here in this match, um, it's a spread that I've never seen before. Uh, BZS is minus seven and a half games. I've never seen seven and a half before. That seems just like an outrageous number. What do you think about that in general, Jorge? I know we talked a little bit about this before the pod, but what are your thoughts on numbers this big? Is this an auto hit the dog? Is this a stay away? Anything? Yeah, this in is this is one where again I think that. Um, these present some value and hear me out. I mean, especially, you know, in qualifying in first rounds with, with home or regional wild cards. Um, Pinnacle has gotten smart to this and, and most books actually won't spread um, uh, games, uh, handicaps and lines for, for these types of matches. I wanted, I wanted to hit Carolina Machova in uh, the first round of qualifying against a 17-year-old uh, Qatarian player, but couldn't because there was no spread anywhere. Why is that? Because she's played three professional matches, 2017, 2018, 2019, Doha, first round qualifying, we're all three, okay? She's lost 6-2, six, 6-love, six, 6-love, six, 6-love, six, 6-love, six, 6-love. You could spread nine and a half games, and I'm betting that line if you're giving me minus, you know, the, the standard minus 110. I am, because this girl is not a professional. Um, she's clearly development matches. I don't know how much you can develop by, by playing, you know, maybe a 50 to 80 points in an entire match, 100, 150 points. Like you're getting killed. Um, but I, I do. And I think I've, I've actually hit one of these spreads. I hit two of them, uh, a few weeks back, uh, in Wawin qualifying. And it wasn't a great day. They actually helped boy my day. Aron Charus minus six and a half games. And Jennifer Brady, minus six and a half games. Both at plus 111, both hit. If if you look back through these players they're they're opposing, and, you know, they were both tie women, both wild cards, great. Now, you've got to also make sure that they, they tend to lose clean sets. If they lose, you know, I think one of them had lost 6-1. Uh, at least one set, 6-1 or 6-love, in five of her last six losses. That, to me, screams, do you think she's going to take a set off Roos or Brady? No. And if one of her sets is lost 6-1... By default, you know, the only way you lose the is if the second set comes through 7-6. Uh, I think there is value there. One of them actually took the first set off, Roos. 
uh, f- uh, 6-4. That was the funny part. And then Roos came back and won 6-2, 6-1. So ended up covering uh, by the hook for me. But it, oh, that's a round w- way of saying I think there could be value with Strichkova minus 7.5. Strichkova, uh, this uh, Al Napani has her last three or four losses where we're eight were by eight eight and nine games so minus seven and a half was covered each time and none of the players were even close to Strichkova's level um so yes i do think there is value in these numbers and i know noops and i both hate those minus six minus six and a half minus sevens but situationally there is value uh on occasion come on spread you can't be buying this hot nonsense jorge selling no, I completely agree. You can't make the line high enough. I mean, it's just so. Um, it, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I think that the, I think he's onto something here. I think it's. Uh, it's crazy. I think it's, it's great crazy. But there. you're you're again. You're both right. You know, I'm, I'm trying to play devil's advocate. I was hoping Spread would jump on board, kind of knowing he wouldn't. But oh my god, it's it's silly to think <laughs> about that to to lay minus seven and a half. So. Um, that's something I think we'll think about. I don't know if either of you have actually grabbed that number, but I'm going to spend a lot of time staring at it and thinking about it. Um, I guess my only other thought is I wonder if 7.5 or even the under 16.5 is is a better bet there, but just a really interesting match from a numbers perspective. I've never seen a total as low as 16.5 or a spread as big as 7.5. Um, let's dive into a, a couple other matchups here. I'm just scrolling down. Um, spread, was there any match that you want to just talk about this particularly? I This is a fantastic first round, actually. I think most of these are um, worth watching. I guess I'll start at the Barton, uh, bottom. Uh, Merton, Siniakova. Um, Siniakova would have jumped out to me here, but boy, she did not look good in the Fed Cup this week, and she hasn't really done that well after finishing 2018 so strong. She hasn't really done well so far. Um, do any of you guys see a reason that uh, Siniakova could advance here, or do you guys think this is Merton's match uh, for the taking? Uh, it's, I, I think it's Merton's. And I'm yeah, I like, sure I like agree, Lisa in this spot. Also, uh, I just want to, re- you know, for our listeners that are currently listening, this is reminder number 746 that Katarina Sinyakova is still on court right now in a first set doubles match. Now, she did come back uh, from a <laughs> breakdown in the first set to beat Buzarnescu in straights um, to, to force this fifth match. However, you know, her form since that epic collapse to Isla in, was it Brisbane or Sydney or wherever in Australia, is well documented. She, she's been in horrible form since then, as Spread mentioned. And beating Buzarnescu, who has had an equally terrible start to the year, does not necessarily, you know, make it okay, all is forgiven, all is better now. So, yeah, I, I'm not sold on Fed Cup turning Sinyakova around, as I think it could help players like Ostapenko and, and Garcia, because they just have way better games. Um, but yeah, you know, another one more reminder. She's still playing as we record this. It is Sunday at 1.30 Eastern time zone, which makes it 7.30 p.m. in Ostrava Sunday night. If she has to play Tuesday, uh, I, I, I don't see how you back her against someone like Marins, who's probably almost in Doha by now. She was done hours ago. Um, or at least, you know, resting up before and not having to travel anywhere overnight uh, to make preparations to get there. She's got the better game. She's got the bigger series. I just, I think it favors her all around. Totally agree. I, I grabbed her. Um, I've got her in a parlay right now, and I think I'm probably going to grab her minus three uh, games on the spread there. I think both are, are really, really good bets. Um, how about Kiki Burton's and Camilla Georgie? What do you think there, Jorge? Are you going to have any any plays, any 
Anything stick out today? Stick out as interest to you? Sorry, can you? Re- I was <laughs> responding to our friends. Can you mention that match again? My apologies. No, that's okay. Kiki Burton and uh, Camilla Georgie. Oh, anything you like? Um, yeah, it's the money line is so short on Kiki, but I do like this. Again, the rested angle. Uh, I've come back to it a million times on this podcast. And if there's one thing to take away from my repetitiveness, listeners, it's that yes, I am weighing playing this weekend and traveling, even if it's a sh- even if it's short travel heavily against players who are there on the courts practicing and well rested this is one of those spots camilla played on the weekend i think it's well known within our circle and within the people we uh, associate with on twitter i am not a georgie fan i don't think she offers anything i think ostapenko's fall she's fallen to basically being camilla georgie right i mean we give ostapenko crap but all she's doing now is ball bashing and hoping it goes in and if it doesn't she loses if it does she she has a chance that's georgie's whole career I mean, she doesn't have anything to offer outside of hitting the ball. Uh, whereas Ostapenko, when she was making her run and when she's on clay, kind of is forced to change it up, and then she actually does better when she does. Um, so, yeah, I think she's... Camilo Georgie's peak is like a Yelena Ostapenko bottom. So I love to oppose her. Um, and she lost this weekend to Victoria Golubich on indoor hard courts. Come on. Come on. Really silly. What do you think, Spread? Yeah, I can see Georgie <laughs> winning here because that's just the type of player she is. I mean, she's so hard to predict. It's just like we just when you count her out, she'll come out and she'll, <laughs> you know, like when she redlines. I mean, she's really hard to beat. So um, obviously, I don't think I'll be wagering it. Um, if I did, I think Burton's is a smart play. But I mean, if we're if we're logging on and 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 doing this next week and Georgie beat Burton's in the in the first round, I mean, I would not be that surprised. Thing about her is she can't put it together for the the whole tournament. I don't think. Uh, for sure. I mean, it's and I think kind of what you're speaking through spread is if you really do have to place a bet on Camilla Georgie, it's probably a good spot to go money line in, instead of the spread here because she probably just wins outright um, as opposed to you know us seeing a really really tight match here, but. Um, Really interesting, and we'll see how that goes. Now, that being said, I mean Burton's money. I think is the play. I mean, I think you, I, I mean, think you could parlay her, but I I don't think there's a need. I think, I think there's Burton's a good win, chance that there's a six three easily. three six six three or six four three six six two, and then you know the you know you push on both those, and it's just either pay to make it two and a half or or just parlay Burton's. I think, you know, there's a lot of good parlay options for those that listen. I know we're a women's podcast, but Tennis Sandgren and Kiki Burton's uh, for for me, and this is, I guess I'll make it my free pick of the day kind of thing, um, because this is something I've already released to to VIP clients. They pair up for 1.89, which is minus 110 on Pinnacle, or like minus 112. Sandgren's playing Paolo Lorenzi in New York on indoor hard courts. I, I just say take the risk out of it, just parlay it. Yeah, I like that. I've got her tagged in, into something as well. Not with uh, Tennis Sangren, but I'll put out something for sure. Um, another good spot for, for Kiki Burton's there. Um, let's see. The next match that I had looked at was Savastava and Gorgeous. And, you know, we talked a lot about Gorgeous already. And I know, Jorge, you're on board with her. Now, Spread, it sounded like you had a little optimism for uh, Savastava. Can you kind of lay out the case? What does the match look like if she wins it? Basically, Gorgas not playing her best, which she hasn't played her best for a while. And the thing is, if she's not playing her best, Savastava is going to get the ball back to her. 
and just wait for her to make errors. And if Gorgeous isn't uh, isn't a hundred percent, she's not going to uh, you know Sebastian will prevail. Um, she she handles Gorgeous' serve fairly well. She has a, a pretty good return. The one thing that about Sebastian, she's not a lot of these women on the WTA. They attack the second serves. Um, with some ruthlessness. I don't really put Sebastian in that category, but the thing is she's so crafty that she doesn't mind playing the longer points, and if you're not um, fully in form and you're a power player, like I, I consider Gorgas to be, it can be a tough outing if you're not at your best. Um, that being said, I, I still kind of like Gorgas in this match, but um, I don't think I'll be bending it. I think I'll just be watching it. I think uh, it's the... Just uh, from a fan's perspective, it's the best first-round match. It really is going to be fantastic. And uh, just to check in and, and make sure. No, no, and and I would I would agree with spread that she may not attack it with a second serve with you know the pace that a lot of players do. What she does do though is she she'll she'll leave it short, but it'll be you know she'll she'll hit that where the service box meets meets the doubles alley there. She'll ping that that corner and and pull you away off court. You can't even you know return it so she may not pound the ball but she's very good with those angles and uh and that's why she could be so dangerous i'm not backing off um i think gurgis uh, with a good first serving day is, is going to find a lot of free points and I, I like her and i think she she's a good uh, a half decent returner especially on hard courts uh, she feels fairly comfortable and she's an underdog here i'm seeing like plus 110 maybe a little bit better so not a bad spot at all to grab some Julia Gorgeous here in the first round. Looking f ahead, just flipping through the next big one that I had circled. Ashley Barty's playing Petra Martich. And uh, Jorge, I think that you were on the underdog here. Is that true? I am in some capacity. Now, I uh, this will be, I guess, free pick number dos. Uh, I don't even know if it's going to happen. So um, we'll talk, but I released this as well with a note saying, Odds Portal has is, has this as canceled. I don't know if that's a glitch. Usually an entry list uh, Twitter account or, or something will update it. Um, I hate not knowing the information I, I need, but I'm seeing canceled for Martich Barty. Um, Barty is also playing right now, but in the local time zone. She'll lose all that, that uh, time zone uh, stuff anyway, so it'll be equally as late for her when she arrives, plus the time zone difference. I can't see her playing uh, Doha. But uh, if she does, I mean, Maddie Keys could really wear her down today, too. All that travel, um, you know, the fatigue. Petra Martic is no slouch. She's a decent returner, um, which, which could help neutralize that, that big first serve or at least attack a, a not-so-great second serve from Barty. Four and a half games at even money to me is an auto-fade uh, in this situation. I would use a, a bit worse of a player than Martic and still... Uh, take the plus four and a half games. I think if you're going to give me, it's yeah, also a key number, four and a half. right? We move past the, you know, the three and three and a half. And then the four, the four, a lot of right. pushes happen at six, four, six, four. You're now getting the six, four, six, four win. And you're not paying juice to do it. And all the situational and intangible stuff I mentioned before. I think that has to be an auto fade, you know, rule number one of sports betting uh, outside of, you know, determine your value by using the percentages and making sure you've got an edge is, understanding how to go about finding that value how to find that edge look for the, that information that you have available and the information tells me this is a must play yeah i like that four and a half a lot what do you think spread are you getting on board 
I like the idea with the the fatigue uh, fader here. Um, a lot of times when we find value in the first round, it's off, you know, just the diligence that Jorge did here with letting us know that, uh, you know, not only is it a long flight, he, she can't even fly out from the city she's in. So she's going to have to get to a different city and then, like he said, probably make a connecting flight. I mean, that's going to be rough travel. Um, so this one, you know, it's obviously a fatigue spot. It's either Martich or no play. And, uh, I mean, I think he's got a tough point. And this is hard for me because usually I like doing, you know, the matchup-based analysis. But, um, you know, if Barty rolls in completely fatigued, uh, you can throw all that stuff out the window. And Martich is definitely a solid enough player to take advantage of that. I totally agree. I, th- I think that'll be an interesting match. But it sounds like it might not happen. So curious to see who fills in for Barty in that spot. Um, <laughs> flipping through. The last one we had was Caroline Garcia and Alessia Sorenko. We talked about that one a little bit. Tough to know what's going on with Garcia and her form. Um, Sorenko, a pretty big underdog. I've actually placed a wager on her already. I, I think that she's had a much better start to the year. She's just as good a player as Garcia is when they're both playing at their best and just in much better form. So I'm happy to grab the underdog money. What do you think, Spread? Do you like either side there? I, I'm with you. I think it's underdog or no play here. Um, like I said, I'm going to bet with the streak, not against the streak on Garcia's um, Garcia's recent form. And, um, you know, you won't won't cast the bet if fake cup led to a turnaround. But, uh, you know, at that point, I've only lost one bet, whereas I'm, you know, kind of riding the anti-Garcia streak, and I've already got three or four in a row um, in the bag. So I'm, I, I agree with you on Sorenko there. What do you think, Jorge? Any, any uh, comments no, I've, to give I've, us some pause, maybe? I've released plenty of plays for the fact that, what are there, 14 first-round matches um, because of the four buys, and then we don't even know, uh, yep. we don't have lines on three three of them yet. Um, oh, no, it has Barty versus a qualifier, so it appears Mardich is the one that's pulled out. Um, so we'll have to see which qualifier is there. But again, if that's oh. Isla, folks... That's even more of an auto fade with a bigger serve at plus four and a half than Mardich was. So um, keep an eye on that one. Uh, I, I do believe that whoever gets there, if you can get a line before it happens, uh, look for that. But we have, I think, 14 minus the qualies and the qualifier Barty and the qualifier Wozniacki and qualifier Contivate. Um, one of those will be a lucky loser, of course. You know, that leaves us with 10 matches. I think I've got action on like six or seven of them. <laughs> so I'm not going to bother trying to delve into Garcia um, and and Serenko nor Buzarnes-Garas to Penko. I've got plenty of action out there already for, you know, that tickles my fancy. I don't need to try and keep delving for more. All right, I think we've touched on just about every first-round match at this point. There's a couple. Nope, I'm not going to let you escape with the one that I'm really, uh, really interested in, and I got to get you guys' opinion. <laughs> Owns Jubur versus Carlos Suarez Navarro. You're not you actually think? excited for that, are you? I, I You're think sick. I think it's I think it's intriguing on so many levels. You're sick. All right, why is this intriguing? Because. Uh, you know, so from a value perspective, I'm all over Carlos Suarez Navarra. I think she's a much better player than Ons Jabor. I'm surprised the line's so close, but I need to know why this is so interesting to you, Spread. So break it because down. Because Jabor had such a good run at the end of the year last year, and she looked like she was finally ready to, to turn around, meet her potential. Um, and Suarez Navarro is the, has that backboard style kind of game that's really going to test her. And I think that. Uh, 
you know, this is going to be a good kind of measuring stick for how much of Jubor's uh, success yep. at the end of last year was. No, was I agree with I agree with Spread. I'm definitely intrigued by this matchup. Actually, uh, I think this is kind of like, a, uh, you know. <laughs> They're both in that in that one's in the second third tier of player ones, trying to break through so I can understand. But no, I, I think it is that it is that deal. Jabor struggles with movement as well. Um, that's my politically correct way. And see, I'm not very good at political correctness, so I'm going to say it anyway. I'm saying she's a little fatter. Um, so I I think that's going to be an issue. Suarez Navarro is a freaking crafty vet. She moves players around well. She angles that one-handed back backhand beautifully. And and sharp angles means lots of running. And I, I don't think that bodes well for uh, on Jabour. And, I mean, Jabour can hit, but her she's one of the 100, 200, 300, 400 players that can hit on the, the women's ITF circuit that can't um, kind of put it together. She did it at the end of last year, but, you know, can she do it for years to come is the question. And I think that uh, if she can't string together more than three or four shots to put together a winner against Suarez Navarro, she's going to be in for a world of hurt. Be great for her fitness, though. Uh, I, <laughs> I think she just gets crushed. I, I don't – That's you guys enjoy that. Let me know how it goes. Um, I'll, 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 I'll be checking the score on Flash Score whenever it's over. Hopefully that's one of those ones at 3 in the morning while I'm – fast asleep in bed so i look forward to a full report there <laughs> so that actually does there's two matches we didn't talk about i know we hit on penko buzarnesco a little bit in the outright preview i don't know if you guys have anything to add there and then the other match was sasnovich shea so we'll lump those kind of two in together um jorge anything to say about either um, those two matches yeah intrigued by sasnovich how she deal with shea style but i think that is something you can kind of insert player name here and say about whoever plays sue shea how does the hitter on someone that's fairly young and just emerge into that top 30, top 25 area deal with Shea. Um, I think that's that's something to watch, but uh, that's something to watch whenever Sue Wei and her, you know, kind of wonky style play. Totally agree. Yeah, I like Sastovich here. I think that she's doing well right now. Um, and I think that I don't think she's going to be as uh, troubled by Shea style as, as some other some other women are. So I think she's got a good look here. In the first round, unfortunately, she's probably going to play Woes in the second round, and I do not think that's a good matchup for her. Yeah, that's going to be an, an interesting match. It's just going to be a really, really wonderful week of watching tennis. So, anything to add, guys? Or no, I'm all good. Done here. All right, then. Well, everybody, have a great week. You know, follow us. You can find all of us on Twitter. Um, you know, again, please follow the podcast at Networth Pod. Um, spread Jorge, myself, and I. You can all find through there. Um, if you're not following us already and um you know look for our picks and have a great week good luck in all your wagers <laughs>